Welcome, welcome to Athena's Mind Veterinary, the podcast, a well-being space for the veterinary community in Ireland and beyond. We talk all things self-development, self-care, mindset and mental health with yours truly, Aoife Smith. I'm a qualified vet nurse and psychologist who is passionate about helping you to cultivate a peaceful space inside your head. This is the veterinary mental health revolution you have all been waiting for. Hit that follow button and let's get going. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Athena's Mind Veterinary, the podcast. If you are new here, hello, my name is Aoife, and I am the host of this beautiful podcast and community that we have spent um, the past year and a half nearly building. And yeah, you're so welcome. I hope that wherever you are in the world today, you're having a beautiful, stunning day. If you can hear from my voice, Corona got me. Yeah, uh, he got me. He, yep, yeah, he has arrived. He's very present. Um, I am reluctant to give coronavirus the pronoun she. For some reason, we, from the start of the pandemic, were like, oh, Miss Rona's got me or Miss Roni's got me. Um, it's clearly not a female pronoun. Like, I feel like <laughs> of all the con- conspiracies that we could run with, female pronoun isn't one of them, guys guys and gals and days um so yeah so do forgive my voice for this week um I tested positive so today is day one of my isolation um but funnily enough I'm actually feeling okay it just feels like a cold so I'm just very nasally but other than that I'm I'm fine I've been chilling with Doggo Doggo has been just the best support ever um I don't have too much of a cough I did have um kind of yesterday now that I'm talking a little bit, I can definitely feel a little tickle, but I think I think we're okay. Like I definitely think, dare I say it, I might be able to power through. Um, although I don't believe in powering through. If you're not new here and you know me quite well, um, <laughs> you'll know that you know things like just power through is is not something I ever encourage. Today, though, we are talking about something incredibly important, and I waited. I waited four seasons apparently I waited four seasons to talk about this topic because I wanted to make sure that I was fully capable of bringing you a podcast episode that was helpful and not a problematic episode that added to the noise the current noise online about this particular topic and the current noise within the world on this particular topic um a lot of people cover it a lot of people talk about it but unfortunately a lot of unqualified people speak on it and give opinions that are incredibly far-fetched and while I do have a hot take for you today (laughs) as blind boy would like to call them I do have a hot take for you today and everything that I will touch on in the veterinary context is just theory unfortunately because research within the veterinary community just doesn't exist on topics like this so what we're doing in this episode is we are compiling a bunch of information that we already know to be true or most likely true um, in order to build a theory or hypothesis surrounding the experience of veterinary teams so today without further ado I further ado further ado further ado further ado wow 
cool nice start deadly I'm not editing that out I won't have the energy so we're just gonna rock with it um without further ado I introduce to you the topic of trauma this is officially the trauma episode this is the episode we're getting into it um now I will say that I won't be going too far deep into trauma um I have particular pet peeve at the moment It's mostly with TikTok, but I'm going to say it extends to Instagram reels as well, where people are like, you know, the symptoms or yeah, I suppose the symptoms of PTSD or signs that you may have had a traumatized childhood and they'll just make this random list and they won't give any context. They won't give any explanations as to what each thing on the list might mean or how it might show up. There's just no follow through or aftercare with videos like this. It's like this real instant. Here's a big list of all the ways that you can be traumatized. Um, I'm just not going to say anything else and you're just going to have to navigate that by yourself. Um, and this is how like incorrect information spreads as well. And information that is just, just has that kind of shock factor with little or no after support after care or follow through on what the person is actually trying to say so that is my pet peeve at the moment so um while I am really delighted to you know have hit this day where I can come on and speak confidently and openly to you about trauma within the context of veterinary I can offer you an educated hot take I will not be listing symptoms mindlessly. I will not be diagnosing you with PTSD on today's podcast episode. Like that would be incredibly heavy um, to offer, like to offer you that today. I'm not going to diagnose with you. I'm not going to diagnose you with secondary traumatic stress today. I'm not going to remind you of all the trauma in your past. I'm not going to remind you about everything you've gone through. I'm not going to well hopefully not, I'm not going to cause any mad realizations for you about what you've been through, we're just going to talk about trauma in the context of veterinary, what it kind of can look like, how to navigate it, you know, how it can trigger past traumas that we haven't dealt with, um, getting to know our trauma triggers, all of those kind of, I guess, surface level but really important points to hit on this topic. Um, So I'm not going to sit here and say to you, oh, these are all the ways that you could possibly be experiencing PTSD Um, that would be unethical, unsafe and quite frankly, quite cheeky, I feel, um, to, to, for me to just sit on the podcast and determine, determine how your trauma looks or how it sits in your body. Like you're the ultimate decider of that like I don't have a right to sit here and say oh like here's all the symptoms of PTSD therefore you must have it or here's all the symptoms of secondary traumatic stress you must have it or you must have been traumatized as a kid because this happened to you like it would be really cheeky as well as unethical for me to sit there and do that so we will not be listing symptoms mindlessly like TikTok creators today we will be getting into a hot take that will hopefully help us to introduce the idea that trauma could possibly be affecting us within the veterinary profession and how going forward we can work with that information to become better equipped to deal with our um, mental ill health if and when it comes about 
so yeah welcome to episode four of season four um that's kind of nice isn't it that's kind of an aligned it's an aligned number right there four four love to see it um so yeah again excuse my voice the rona got me but i'm feeling okay despite how i sound um hopefully when i listen to this episode back i won't be like oh god i can't publish this i feel like maybe you'll forgive the voice um <laughs> and as well i might have to stop and start um as i as i continue through this episode however that is what the beauty of editing is for so i'm just hoping that my editing skills can do me some justice with today's episode as well and you don't notice any um or too many at least bumps in the road so talking about trauma then let's kind of define it first because um again trauma is this thing that has made it into mainstream media the word itself is incredibly um overused in my opinion at the moment which does uh, me no favors in my mental health related work because when i use the word trauma um the person on the receiving end of me talking about trauma has already been psychologically primed by tiktok creators and you know dr julie and everybody else jordan peterson not that I want any of you to be listening to Jordan Peterson, I don't, but if you do, it's your business. Um, <laughs> um, I'm not a Jordan Peterson fan at all, but that's another conversation for another day. So when I talk about trauma within my work, um, you know, the person sitting in front of me or the person on the other end of the phone or whatever capacity it is that I'm, I'm working with them, they're already psychologically primed by all of this mainstream media gunk that just doesn't need to exist um and it can sometimes skew their opinion or not their opinion their perspective of what trauma actually is and then what my perspective of trauma is and it can kind of lead to some um lost in translation vibes if you will within the conversation so let's get it defined like here and now on the podcast what it what it is what it looks like so trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience it can also be physical injury yeah so like that that's an obvious one we know that one already so trauma to a site on the body but deeply distressing or disturbing experience, okay? Hold on to that definition as we go through this podcast episode today. Hold on to the definition. Just store it in your brain there somewhere and come back to the definition as I continue to speak so that hopefully we're all on the same page. So defining um, trauma in the context of veterinary is a really interesting one. So by this definition, so again, a deeply distressing or disturbing experience by that definition do we not already see trauma every single day in practice if your answer is no I would ask you to reconsider and just go a little deeper with it ask yourself do we see deeply distressing or disturbing things in practice every day the answer would be yes right so we see those things by default also sometimes in practice we experience those things so your experience with a patient that dynamic between the two of you particularly if the patient is extremely ill that can be the deeply distressing or disturbing experience for you also 
we also see physical injury every single day. So we witness that physical injury. Sometimes we ourselves experience physical injury as well. Like, hello, cat bite abscess. <laughs> Have you been, girl? So sometimes we experience that for ourselves as well. We also witness it in colleagues. We can witness colleagues having really distressing and disturbing experiences. We can witness colleagues being physically injured. The same with clients or owners. So we can um, watch them have a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. We can also watch them be physically injured, hopefully not too often, but it does happen. Um, Especially if they're that kind of, you know, proactive owner who um, enjoys giving you a bit of a hand and like holds for like blood samples and stuff. Sometimes, you know, it can go a little bit wrong as we know. So you can witness that too, which is tough. Um, so again, come back to defining trauma in the context of veterinary. And again, I'm going to ask you by this definition, do we not see trauma already every single day in practice? The evidence for it is hard to grasp and it's intangible at the moment because research has not been done and that in itself is awful but by default aren't we leaning towards a yeah we do see trauma every single day in practice. Um, Also you know trauma what I what I really need to point out to you is that trauma is not a list you can put onto a TikTok video Trauma is not something that you can always explain with words. Trauma is not something that you ever need to justify or diagnose from the DSM-5. Um, if you don't know what the DSM-5 is, it's basically like um, a diagnostic. It's a manual that details diagnostic criteria for certain psychological disorders or ailments. And you know, trauma is not something that you can just list in the DSM-5 and diagnose and say, yeah, they have trauma or they have trauma. Yeah, they have PTSD or they have secondary traumatic stress. Yes, they've definitely experienced trauma. You know, it's a subjective experience. It's unique to you. It's unique to every single individual. And in the context of veterinary, that includes you your colleagues, the owners and the patients. So there's four individuals in there really um, within your world, say, that can experience trauma at a subjective level. That means that nobody within those four beings, nobody in that square gets to dictate what the trauma was for the other person or being, um, how much they should have felt, uh, if they should have felt it at all as a trauma. No one gets to dictate the other the other person or being's subjective experience within that at all. Um, so that's that's super duper important to to acknowledge. It's that it's a subjective experience that we all have the capability of feeling, but to different levels and at different times, and it's none of anyone else's business, basically, how we feel it, what we do with it, etc. Um also I really want to flag that within the context of veterinary because trauma is such a subjective experience I feel like here comes a bit of a hot take because I don't have any evidence for this but stick with me a moment because I'd love your opinion on it anyway so we're going to get a little philosophical here forgive me please indulge in my philosophy for for now but because trauma is such a subjective experience I really wonder if that could be allowing people to mask 
trauma and if because it's a subjective experience it could be allowing people that subjectivity could be the catalyst for people not dealing with trauma appropriately when they actually feel it so what that might look like is because it's subjective somebody might go well no I don't think that that PTS was traumatic I'm fine what are you talking about oh I'm immune to that now oh it doesn't matter nah it doesn't matter to me I'm actually fine not a bother on me and I wonder does that subjectivity have a part to play in that um classic oh I'm immune now it doesn't matter to me I just wonder if that subjectivity is a catalyst for allowing the person to lean into um the the denial now sometimes I do have to flag of course sometimes it's not a denial if somebody has you know has a really healthy relationship with their mental health at the moment and they genuinely didn't find that a particular event PTS whatever it is is traumatic I'm not about to sit here and undermine that person's experience either if that's an honest genuine congruent statement like I'm fine this didn't affect me well then that's that's grand I'm not going to sit here and argue with that um, and tell you that that person is incorrect but I just wonder in the grand scheme of things because we know that mental health and mental well-being are so poorly recognized within our profession at the moment that I think you know that person I've just just described is perhaps a rarity again we're a little philosophical here this is a hot take and I don't have research evidence for this so please critically think about what I'm saying before you go running off with this but I wonder if that person that I've just described is a rarity and the subjective nature of trauma that subjectivity in itself acts as a catalyst for people who really do want to lean into their denial about just how traumatic something actually is so that was something interesting that I wanted to flag with you of course it's intangible at the moment and we don't have enough evidence to support that kind of theory and I also don't know just how much evidence we can gather in terms of that because subjective information is way more difficult to um, latch onto in real life and latch onto than say you know an objective kind of reality or a finding like an objective uh, um, finding is way easier to grab onto um, and is way more tangible than something subjective so I don't know that we'll ever get to the bottom of everything I've just said but it's something important that I just wanted to make you aware of I mean it's not impossible right like our educated view on it would indicate that it's not impossible for that subjectivity to be a catalyst um that supports someone's denial and supports them eventually running into bother because of that denial um, or because of the fact that they're ignoring or choosing to ignore that trauma that they've been through um something that I kind of following on from that because I spoke about PTS there I wanted to talk about death trauma specifically for just a moment um <clears throat> excuse me <laughs> death trauma or a traumatic death good god I'll be added in that out um death trauma or a traumatic death what kind of does that look like because I think it again in the context of veterinary we have not been considered veterinary professionals have not been considered in this light but if we kind of look to human healthcare professions which is something that I did for my research in order to 
educate myself on all of these theories and then basically apply them to veterinary professionals which is like it's a tough game to do that like we just need veterinary research but anyway um looking at death trauma or traumatic traumatic deaths what do they look like what are they so on researching this you will find that a traumatic death is sudden unexpected and or violent it can be all three it can be one of those three it could be two out of three whatever um so I actually broke this down and I looked at the kind of possible scenarios that this type of death could fit into within the context of veterinary because I wanted to see if I could give you concrete examples of each thing and I actually found more than one when I really sat with it so when I looked at sudden deaths first I think that's kind of an obvious one I also questioned whether or not most deaths were sudden um I don't I don't think they are now after exploring that a little bit but I mean again if it's kind of if trauma is a subjective experience and we apply sudden death to a subjective experience like you might see it as sudden and I might not so I don't really know kind of where it fits there's a little bit of a gray area there isn't there um but yeah just something to look at but also I kind of was looking at it from the case of PTS because we're the only healthcare practitioners in Ireland anyway that um, engage so regularly with euthanasia um, and I would argue that we're the only healthcare professionals that like super duper regularly engage with euthanasia pretty much other than obviously if there's a centre for human euthanasia um, that specifically offers that service in, a, in another country but even if it's a PTS okay we still have to cope with that one minute they're alive the next minute they're not like and that happens in a matter of seconds so you could argue that certain things like the PTS that in which the animal is healthy they're really hard ones right let's take a really healthy animal in a PTS they're are they not technically a sudden death like is that not technically a sudden death um I'd love your opinion on that actually because again this is not a, a super duper tangible episode we're just exploring all of these concepts so I feel like for me personally that's a sudden death if an animal is really healthy the owner requests the PTS for whatever reason um the vet agrees the vet does it the animal's gone that is that not a sudden death um some of you might argue well no it's not actually a sudden death because the owner makes the appointment you know you might speak on the phone you arrange it you set up the room you gather the equipment like you have time to think about it but I'm actually talking about from the perspective of the death itself not like the run-up to it although some of you could argue that is part of the death itself but I'm I'm actually looking at it from the point of view or the perspective of heart stops gone like the actual physiological process of death rather than the emotional and uh you know that timeline of events that occurs beforehand so technically 
are all PTSs sudden deaths? Are some PTSs sudden deaths? It's worth it's worth us looking at and it's worth us having a critical discussion about and a debate about and heck, maybe even an argument about. I, I will gladly argue and debate with any of you. Honestly, like, I think it's so important for us to critically think together about this and that whole concept. Like, what is a sudden death in veterinary? What does that look like? Has anyone ever discussed that before? I don't think I've ever discussed that with anybody before. Any of you, any of my colleagues, nothing. So can we maybe discuss that? Like, take a minute. What does that look like? What do you think that looks like? Do you think it, you know, the word sudden, does that even have a place in our context? Um, in terms of the unexpected element of it, the first thing I thought of there was, um, you know, if an animal passes away at home, um, that's also, you know, that also falls into sudden death as well. Um, you know, the owner wakes up and the animal has gone. So the unexpected and sudden kind of come into that one, right? Um, I was also thinking of, um, you know, if some some somebody crashes in surgery, that's also sudden and it's also unexpected. Like you think the anaesthetic's going really well and then all of a sudden something goes horribly wrong and the animal's gone like what what happened like that was so unexpected um so I guess it's really important for us to decide what comes under the category of sudden what comes under unexpected like how many um categories do the different things fall into what's how is that relevant to us and our own psychological health what are the impacts potentially of a sudden death on you? What are the impacts potentially of an unexpected death, um, of a sudden and unexpected death? Like, is death ever expected? It is, but we don't know when. So what is an ex- unexpected death if we're all going to die one day? What what does that even mean? Um, And then in terms of a violent death, um this was a really this this kind of brought up a bit for me actually I yeah just made me squirm a bit um so if you're if you're also that person just know that you're very safe listening to me here all you have to do is follow the sound of my voice and just know I'm right there with you um but this one in particular that the kind of main things I thought about with the violent deaths were like say like a dog attack or something um or like an animal attacks another animal basically um I was thinking of an RTA like for me that popped into my head but I don't know if that would pop into your head in terms of a violent death um also some of you might hear the word violent and think that it's intentional whereas like an RTA you know most of the time I would sincerely hope are not intentional so like if you heard violence and thought intentional um like pay attention to that because that says a lot whereas I my mind didn't go to intentional when I thought about a violent death or a violent end um although something that is intentional which I did think of as well is cruelty like if it's a case that a human decides to intervene and um interfere with an animal's well-being and the animal subsequently passes away um either in the moment like suddenly like maybe it's one really brief attack on the animal or whether it's a it's chronic behavior um that eventually the animal passes away or succumbs to um so like some of that might be unexpected right some of it might be sudden 
Um, so these things, they're, they're all interchangeable. They fall into all the different categories or the three different categories. Um, but I just wanted to highlight the level of trauma that we see in death alone within the veterinary profession. Like just remember that I've only covered the concept of death just then. Like I haven't looked at physical injury there's a lot of little coughs happening in this episode team oh wow I'm so sorry my goodness I'm really gonna have to edit this one I feel um I've only looked at the concept of death so I haven't looked at the concept of like general physical injury um I haven't looked at the concept of owners their trauma their upset what it's like to take on that on board um so there's the point that I'm making I suppose with this general hot take is that there's so much room for us to be traumatized within our work and nobody is ever talking about it nobody talks about it we don't talk about it I have no idea why um I've mentioned the word trauma in my own workplace before just to see kind of the the general reaction most of the time it's what um and that's absolutely no reflection on my colleagues because they're fantastic humans um but it is definitely something I've noticed when you mention trauma people are like what what are you talking about like it just doesn't the link doesn't happen we're not making the link we're not talking about this enough with each other we interrupt this pod episode for a special announcement Vet Glow is the brand new eight-week mindset and mental well-being coaching program designed specifically for veterinary professionals by yours truly, coaching psychologist Aoife Smith. This program is perfect for you if you want to get clear on your values and rewrite negative core beliefs, set amazing life goals, feel less lost and more empowered within and outside of your veterinary career, set boundaries and improve your relationships with your colleagues and clients, create and maintain a beautiful self-care routine that keeps burnout at bay and allows you to flourish and empower yourself to live the life of your dreams. If you're interested, DM me on Instagram. I'm at Athena's Mind Veterinary or you can email athenasmindveterinary at gmail.com. Also, like the whole thing of the the way in which we deal with bodies after death I personally would argue is a traumatic sequence of events or a traumatic experience um especially if you know there are some days when your freezer gets a little full yeah I'm gonna be explicit here because we don't talk about it enough so yeah I'm not I'm honestly I can't beat around the bush anymore with this stuff we just don't have the time veterinary professionals are dying like we don't have the time to beat around the bush with this stuff so yeah I'm gonna confront it as it is if you don't like it skip this um so like obviously you know if the freezer gets a little full you start to make do in whatever way you can in whatever way is ethical in whatever way is respectful but like hands up who has stepped over a body bag my hand just flew up yeah trauma traumatic that's traumatic yeah so the ways in which we not only witness death are involved in death but also deal with death 
and deal in the aftermath of death that entire sequence has so much room for trauma in it again I'm not going to undermine anyone's subjective genuine congruent experience if you were sitting there and you've said yes I've stepped over a body bag before Aoife but genuinely I've done a lot of work on myself Um, I've done a lot of self-development work I know myself so well I'm able to resolve that in my head and I am not traumatized by it and you are wholeheartedly confident that you're not traumatized by it I am not gonna argue with you and to that I say congratulations well done and I'm so happy for you however with the information that we have at the moment with the statistics surrounding the mental well-being of veterinary professionals it doesn't really add up that the majority would be able to say what I have just described or the the majority would be able to lean into what I have just described so the trauma surrounding the process of death or the traumas maybe there's multiple traumas in there um or let's call it the room for trauma within the process of death is absolutely huge within the veterinary context and it deserves all of the attention in the world for some reason again we are just not talking about it so I absolutely had to cover it on this episode um in terms of my own trauma surrounding that um I won't go into it too much because goodness gracious me we I would just ramble on all day and my mic is not my therapist but um yeah have I been traumatized within the process of death I would be lying if I said no of course I have oh my god of course I have like who steps over a body and thinks that's fine I don't I mean again if you do and that is your genuine congruent confident experience fine like good for you but I don't I'll never step over a body and think oh grand excuse me (laughs) what no like I will never step over a body and think it's okay I will never step over a body and think it's not traumatic and I know that that's confronting to hear for some of you some of you will roll your eyes at me some of you will some some of you your egos will jump in and you'll think to yourself oh what a princess like god like just step over it like it's no big deal okay if you say so but that's going to come back and bite you in the ass um if you don't appropriately deal with that and if that's you know if your ego jumps in straight away and is like oh my god what a princess like it's actually fine okay like whatever you say but if that is but if your reaction is not genuine is not coming from a place of you know lots of self-knowledge and lots of previous self-love and self-care then I would encourage you to to look at that again because it will bite you in the ass it will and that is something that the research does support so yeah um something I want to talk about leading on from all of that is secondary traumatic stress um I don't know the veterinary professionals are well enough um equipped to handle secondary traumatic stress or if goodness me you know you even know what it is I spoke about it within my own research it was something that I leaned into um quite a bit in terms of the compassion fatigue side of things um so I wanted to talk about it on this episode today just to highlight the theory for you highlight the concept easy in at a surface level as to what secondary traumatic stress is um what it looks like etc so 
basically it's a difficult one with secondary traumatic stress because there's been little or no amount of research done within the veterinary industry because veterinary ranks so low on the healthcare hierarchy so there has been um I'm going to call it STS. So there has been STS research done among human healthcare practitioners and the nursing profession is something that we can really look to for, I guess, some guidance on um, in terms of this particular thing. But because research just is pretty much non-existent among the veterinary professionals, um, we kind of have to, to look to other professions in order to get to the bottom of what STS means and how it might fit into our lives in veterinary. But we are going to attempt it today on the pod. So basically the issue is, sorry, so let me tell you what STS is first. Basically it develops through repeatedly hearing details um, about the trauma that somebody else went through. Okay. Um, some of you are probably... Be- sat there being like what about PTSD we're gonna get to that in a sec but secondary traumatic stress we'll start with that one first it develops through repeatedly hearing the details of the trauma that somebody else went through so that is you hearing about horrendous situations repeatedly constantly over and over again now the difficulty when it comes to veterinary professionals is that at the moment we have no tangible measure on the human to animal bonds in terms of secondary traumatic stress the level of secondary traumatic stress we can receive receive we can develop through um our bond with an animal is unclear so like the obvious thing is obviously animals can't speak english so they can't turn to you and say oh hey i've actually gone through this really difficult thing yeah so the way in which we hear about an animal's trauma is different to the way in which we would hear about another human's trauma I feel like I'm about to sneeze I'm trying my best not to (laughs) so we have no kind of way of tangibly um navigating that at the moment because there's been no research done on it um so like where do we pick up the STS like where does it stem from um is it through um watching the animal go through the thing but then some might argue that that's our trauma because we're watching it we're reacting to it so does that not fall into PTSD which I'll get on to in a second um is it through the owner um is it that you know you are developing STS from hearing from the owner about what the animal is going through um and if you look at maybe an animal's case like think back to yourself like we hear from the owner at the beginning of the illness and then you know they book the appointment we hear all the bits and pieces of the appointment and um, we hear how the animals doing after the appointment if the animal's coming in for surgery you know we follow up we open the animal up we deal with the owner again after the surgery we hear how the animals do and if they're not doing well that's not good you know the animal might come back into us then we hear the woes about the animal again through the owner so is it is that how we're developing secondary traumatic stress um or is it a is it a combination of both? Um, or here's another one for you: Is it through our colleagues? You know the way constantly. You know we automatically all tell each other, "Oh God, this dog, um, this happened, or and that was awful," or or this owner. You know you might hear about the owner's trauma from a colleague. So then the colleague is the catalyst 
to all of the trauma, you know, because the colleague has the whole story and he or she or they are giving you the owner's story and the animal story and all of a sudden you're caught up in all this STS just because you've had a cup of tea with a colleague. So we need a way of figuring out where secondary traumatic stress comes in, where it starts for veterinary professionals, where it possibly ends um, and how we can get a grip on it fully. Um, But that's something that is linked to compassion fatigue, which is huge within the veterinary industry. Um, That was my pen. I don't know if you heard that. It had like a little meltdown just then. Um, But it's linked to compassion fatigue, which is an absolutely huge cost of caring within our profession. And STS needs to be highlighted as, as a trauma response. However, how we go about trying to more tangibly pin it down is currently unclear. Um, and it's frustrating isn't it I feel like the last number of things I've spoken about I've kind of finished it off with you know it's unclear this is unclear that's unclear it's intangible it's not known Um, but we will get there it's just important for us to have these initial conversations that are a little bit non-structured and are a little bit philosophical so that at least we can make moves to move forward Um. So yeah, okay, perfect. So if it's a case, as I said earlier, if it's a case that you're directly witnessing um, or you're directly involved in some way in the trauma, that's more likely to cause something along the lines of post-traumatic stress disorder, which is PTSD. Um, this particular disorder, again, you're involved directly in the trauma. If you go back to, again, the definition of trauma that I asked you to hold on to at the very start of this episode, you will probably see by now that there's an awful lot of room for PTSD development within our job as well. Again, though, there is no research done on this. It's really difficult to tangibly see any movement of PTSD, as in how it moves within our profession and how it moves within individuals how it shows up etc because there's been no research done on it but if you think back to that original definition of trauma you've probably copped by now that there's an awful lot of room for PTSD within our work as well as STS so um what I found actually was interesting while I was putting together this pod episode there was an experiment done with rats yes you heard that correctly we love a rat um experiments with rats not so much I'm not a fan uh but it's something that is done and is ethically proved by um psychological bodies or psychology bodies so that's a whole other issue but anyway um this experiment this particular experiment with these rats showed that PTSD like symptoms formed in rats who witnessed their cage mates undergo some type of traumatic experience so they formed PTSD behaviours due to their direct involvement in or witnessing of this trauma. And they also found, these researchers also found the witness history led to like depression-like symptoms. <clears throat> so if they witnessed particular things, if they witnessed a particular level of trauma, um, that would result in depression-like symptoms in later life. 
um, which is really interesting and really unfortunate. What I did take from this also though, was that there seems to be more experimentation or research done on rats than vet staff, which made me kind of sad, kind of annoyed, kind of frustrated. Like, not that I'm saying, like I'm obviously not saying, let's just take this experiment with rats and then duplicate it with humans that's never going to receive ethical approval and it's not something I'd ever want for humans I'd, I'd not I don't even want it for the rats but isn't it frustrating isn't it annoying how there's more research done on rats than there is on vet stuff not that like rats are I don't mean that even in from the context of rats are are lesser than humans so therefore how dare they you know give more time to rats they're just rats like that's not what I'm saying it's just that like I don't understand why we're doing all this research on rats in this context and vet staff just don't get a look in it's just crazy to me um but also another thing that I kind of found within or among researchers was that susceptibility to others emotions seemed to moderate um, self-reported and biological stress responses to witnessing trauma so basically in um, one experiment they did they showed a film and people rated people who were more susceptible to others emotions so in other words they were more empathetic they were more compassionate towards others they actually rated the film they saw as more stressful than the people who were less susceptible to others emotions um, so it, it just goes to show that empathy can alter perspective, but can also allow us to go deeper within or by default go deeper within the trauma that someone else is experiencing. And therefore we have a larger chance of developing things like PTSD, STS, um, you know veterinary staff we're constantly empathetic it's it's needed and the funny thing about empathy as well measuring empathy is still a gray area no surprises there 45 minutes in but measuring empathy is still a gray area despite despite the fact that we know as veterinary professionals we need empathy and the the funny thing is as well we recognize it when we see it like we know what it is when we see it. We can't really put it into words. We don't have a tangible way of measuring empathy at the moment, but we know exactly what it is and what it looks like when we witness it, which I just think is so funny. But if it's a case that we are more empathetic and more compassionate and are more susceptible to other people's emotions, witnessing levels of trauma like these people only witnessed a video and they rated it as stressful so think about the things that we witness and therefore again go back to that original definition of trauma and the hot take for today again is that obviously if that's the case and we are so empathetic but we constantly witness this trauma the room for psychological ill you know ill health and the development of things like PTSD and STS are of course going to be high there's so much room for development of things like that um even anxiety depression OCD tendencies that's a huge one 
um, different behavioral traits that are just, you know, not helpful. I did our very first episode of this season was on maladaptive behaviors. Go and listen to it. Um, it's a it's an educational episode. It's a it's a good one, if I do say so myself. Um, because maladaptive behaviors show up in practice all the time, and I would argue that part of the reason why maladaptive behaviors exist is because they're linked there's a sorry is because there's a link there to previous trauma um maladaptive behaviors I say more about that in the episode specifically but they exist basically because our brain wants to take care of us so like if it's a case that we are so empathetic we're of course going to be more susceptible to psychological ill health when we witness all of the trauma that we witnessed during our our work day um also just on empathy ethics and empathy they don't seem to hold hands which is really really interesting so if you look at um say for example um the code of conduct like it'll discuss ethics in a way that's really not philosophical and tries to make it objective but ethics like it actually kind of makes no sense that ethics and empathy don't hold hands because ethics are a psychological concept they come from morality they come from a person's inner core beliefs so that is actually a philosophical and subjective point of view like ethics are, are philosophy um so I always find that really interesting and both ethics and empathy they're both intuitively based they're based in intuition they're housed in intuition wherever intuition lives in your body based on whatever it is you believe but ethics are an intuitive thing and the fact that we make ethics tangible within a code of conduct but separate it all together from empathy and the potential for trauma is really interesting and I don't know how helpful that is and maybe I've opened a can of worms just then and again like if you have an argument to that let me know because yeah I love I love a critical discussion um being triggered by past trauma please remember that this is your own subjective experience again if you're in practice and you're triggered by past trauma so obviously this is we've gone through like you know, present trauma, what your current patients are going through, etc. But if you're triggered by past trauma and um, things that happened to you in the past, remember again, this is your own subjective experience. No one is allowed to tell you that you're not allowed to experience a trigger, that you're not allowed to acknowledge a trigger. Um, and also, if it's a case that you've not dealt with any past traumas, your body might hang on to it as well. So, um, if you're not emotionally feeling the trigger, you could physically feel the trigger. Maybe you get a sore back. Maybe you get sore shoulders because you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. Maybe you find that you're slouching a lot more. Maybe your posture is really terrible because you're guarding your solar plexus. You're guarding the center of your body and your organs. That's a physical trauma response as well. If you've got a slouch, think about it. Um, so your body does hold it too. So like, and again that's that's a subject that's based on a subjective experience um 
it's interesting isn't it as well how sometimes a subjective experience can um show up in a tangible way in your physicality that link is really interesting to me as well um but if all of your past trauma is not dealt with again like we can see things like anxiety you know ocd like symptoms um and your brain starts to protect you a little too well because you just haven't spent time with your brain basically and told it how to work or how you want it to work for you um your brain doesn't your brain is an organ itself it just knows it needs to survive it doesn't have the capacity your mind does that's where you know your mind body connection comes in but your brain itself as an organ like and the um hormones it encourages the the release of and the you know physiological things that happen your brain as a physiological organ doesn't know the difference between you know actual threat perceived threat no threat the presence of a threat it doesn't understand the difference between any of that and if you haven't dealt with any of your trauma how are you supposed to teach your brain what to respond to yeah so if it's a case that even worse if you've got past trauma you're currently experiencing trauma in your current job that actually means that physiologically your brain is probably working in more so of like a fight or flight mode where they're, it's releasing a whole heap of cortisol, it's releasing all these different hormones, it's causing all these different physiological reactions to protect you because it hasn't a bloody clue what it's protecting you from because you've never sat down with it and told it how you want it to work through therapy, through mindset coaching, through self-development work, etc. Um, and then all of a sudden, what do you know? We have things like burnout crop up, we have things like compassion fatigue, then we have secondary traumatic stress on top of there, then we have PTSD to deal with as well. We might have a little bit of anxiety because your hormones um, and the chemicals that your brain has released inappropriately have caused some issues. We might have OCD because we haven't dealt with things. We might show some compulsive behaviors and we spiral. It's all a big mess. And what do you know? We are just another veterinary statistic so I want to close this episode off by saying thank you for being here and thank you for listening to all of this if you manage to stick around um apologies again for my voice and my little coughs <laughs> I've, I've been trying I've been trying um I'm actually feeling pretty energized after this but um I'm delighted to be able to sit down and talk to you today um I know a lot of people with COVID-19 didn't get that privilege so um I'm really delighted to be able to sit here and speak to you today in the way that I have done. Um, so yeah, if you've reached this point of the episode, well done and thank you. What I would encourage you to do is further your research, get curious, start looking this stuff up, disagree with me, agree with me, but understand why you disagree or agree um, and take this as your sign to now start to deal with with any traumas that you've been through and any traumas that you're currently going through in practice so that we can hopefully create a better mental health and well-being scenario for veterinary professionals in this country and beyond. Um, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, it was a little bit philosophical. It was a little airy-fairy and wishy-washy because unfortunately we don't have the research to lean on 
we can only lean on previous research from other fields and apply it to our own which is quite complicated and difficult but either way I hope that it has broadened your horizons and opened your eyes to some concepts that maybe you haven't heard of before and you'd like to look more into in order to empower yourself to take charge of your own mental health. So on that note, I will be back next week for episode five. Um, we're, we're halfway through season four next week, which is absolutely wild. So I will be back next week. I'm so looking forward to seeing you then. And in the meantime, take really good care of yourself. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Athena's Mind Veterinary, the podcast. Come say hey on Instagram. I'm at Athena's Mind Veterinary. And don't forget to tag me in your stories if you liked this episode. I absolutely love hearing from you. Also, if you have any queries, you can email me at athenasmindveterinary at gmail.com. If you're listening on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, pretty please with sugar on top and ice cream in the middle leave us a review this just means that other veterinary professionals can find the podcast and benefit just as much as you have thank you so much and I'll see you soon